Amen. Let's celebrate together that Jesus is alive. The tomb is empty. He is the resurrected one. He's not the dead Savior. He's the one who lives and is with us now. Jesus is alive. Man, what a beautiful thing that you and I get to celebrate today. And what a beautiful promise, right? The long-awaited one, the Messiah, has come and he's fulfilled everything he needed to fulfill. Jesus is alive. And you know, for us, that's such a celebration, but can you imagine waiting for this moment? Like for us, this weekend is a celebration, but for the disciples of Jesus Christ, how many of you know it was a stressful time? Like they, they knew the cross they had just witnessed, their Messiah dragged off and publicly, brutally murdered in public. And now he's been buried in a tomb. They witness him being buried in a tomb and they don't know what's next. They, they don't know that the tomb is about to be empty, that Jesus is about to defeat death. All they know that they're waiting on God to do something. Like they're just waiting, God, we need, we need you to show up. Like, God, when are you going to do it? Like, imagine like just Friday night and Saturday morning and Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, Sunday morning. Like, God, when are you going to move? Like, when are you going to do this? Imagine the disciples as they waited, because let's be honest, none of us like waiting. We're not very good at waiting. We're not good at waiting in the drive-thru at McDonald's. Where we're not good at waiting our turn at home affairs. We're, we're not good at waiting for the test results. We're not good at waiting in traffic. We're not really good at waiting. So can you just imagine these disciples waiting? They had put all their hope and all their life into this Messiah. Only for him to be buried in a tomb. And now all they can do is Wait. What do we do when you and I are in a waiting season? How do we respond? You know, I grew up around Christians. I grew up as a pastor's kid for the first part of my childhood. We call that a PK, pastor's kid. Are there any other PKs in the house today? What? That's cool. Let's give all the PKs a hand. Hey, guys, all the pastor's kids. So as you know, like some of you PKs, when you're growing up around Christians, Christians have a lot of catchy sayings. And like when times are hard, we have like these bumper sticker sayings. We're just like, we like to just dish out. Like when things are hard, we just say, come on, you just got to let go and let. Oh, you know the one, right? Oh, we say, no, no, no. God is good all the time and all the time. Oh, give yourselves a hand. You know these sayings. Uh, another saying that we, it's famous in Christianity and church circles Hang around us long enough, you're going to hear it at some point. Like we say, God is never late. He's always on time. Right? It's just one of these things. It's like, he's never late. He's always on time. How many of you know that God is never late? But often he feels like he's really, really late. Like how many of you know God, God is never late, but he's also never early. Like it just we so much of our Christian experience is just this this waiting. It's almost as if God is operating on a completely different timetable, a completely different schedule to you and I, right? 
Like God has a completely different timetable. And we can understand this because there are people in our homes that often live on a completely different timetable. All you wives, you might say this about your husbands. All you husbands, you might say this about your wives. For your husbands, maybe five minutes means five minutes. But to your wife, five minutes could mean five minutes and could mean five days and could mean five months. Five hours, like five more chances to tell her that you've got five minutes. Like we don't know what five minutes means, right? You know, all you wives, when your husbands go to the toilet with their devices, they are on a different timetable than you, right? It's like it's been, it's been 38 years. It's still in there. Like for me as a parent, I know there are some kids in my house that live on a different time. Like when, when I tell them, you got to come now. And they say to me, I'm coming. I know it means they're definitely not coming. Like that means they're not even on their way. They're just thinking about maybe coming at some point. Like we understand what it's like for, for people in our lives to be on a different time schedule. And if you're a Christian long enough, you start to get the sense with God that he, he's on like a completely different time schedule to you and I. So often we find ourselves like the disciples on the Easter weekend, just desperate for God to do something. Like desperate for the breakthrough to come, like desperate. We just, we find ourselves desperate for God to move, for that prayer to be answered, for, for the promise to come to fulfillment. Like we're just in this waiting season. And I believe there must be many of us today who are in that place. We're waiting for God to do something. And I want to say, if that is you, I believe God wants to encourage you today with his word. He wants to encourage you today with the story of the resurrection. He wants to reveal himself to you in a brand new way. Because how many of you know the resurrection on Easter Sunday is not the only resurrection that required waiting. In fact, there's another biblical resurrection where Jesus reveals himself in a new way and he says these words, I am the resurrection and I am the life. We find this in the book of John chapter 11. And we're going to find Jesus with his friend, like he has a friend named Lazarus. Everyone say Lazarus. Now Lazarus was a brother of Mary and Martha, whom you should remember. Mary's the one who washed Jesus' feet with oil and was found at Jesus' feet while Martha was busy in the kitchen, frustrated that no one was helping her out. Remember that Martha, this is Mary and Martha. These are dear friends of Jesus Christ. Lazarus was a dear friend of Jesus. The problem is Lazarus got sick. And not like sniff, sniff, cough, cough sick. He got really, really sick to the point where he is near to death. Now, of course, Mary and Martha, when you got someone you love that's so sick and you know Jesus... Like, what do you do in that moment? <laughs> well, then you reach out to Jesus. Like, I know him, right? And that's exactly what we're going to see them doing. We're going to read from John chapter 11. And really, it's the first three verses. It says in verse 1, Now, a man named Lazarus was sick, and he was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and his sister Martha. In verse 3, it says, So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one that you love is sick. There's so many things I love about what Mary and Martha did, but the first thing I love is they completely and fully responded to their need by looking to Jesus. 
In the time of waiting, in the time of need, they knew that the answer lay with Jesus. And they teach us something really important, that our waiting season doesn't have to be a wasted season. Your season of waiting, which you will have, it's part of our Christian experience. Your, your season of waiting does not have to be a season of wasting. God often will use that very season to do something significant in your life. You know, I found in my life that worry, worry and stress, it's something that almost pushes God away. And worship is something that draws God in. James says that draw close, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. But how often the moment we find ourselves waiting, we also find ourselves worrying. But if instead of worrying, we would do what Mary and Martha did and reach out to Jesus, cry out to Jesus, if we would turn our season of waiting into a season of worship, now God can do something because sometimes He's looking at us and saying, no, 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 I know you want this now. Like, I know you're interested in this now. You're asking for it now because you don't like waiting. We all have this thing of short-termism. You know what short-termism? Like, we want it now. We need it now. But sometimes God is saying, no, 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 no. I'm more interested right now. Before I do something for you, I want to do something in you. I want to do something in your heart and in your character and in your belief. I want to do something in you right now before I do something for you. And so can you use your waiting season to reach out to Jesus like Mary and Martha? All of you single ladies waiting for a husband. All the single ladies. All the single ladies. Right? Can you use your waiting season as you wait for a husband? Like, can you use it to become the woman of God who's in love with Jesus and is fully developed in who God wants her to be. Those of you looking for a job, can you use this waiting season in a way that reaches out to Jesus because soon, once that promise is answered, once that prayer is delivered, you're, you're gonna have meetings and deadlines and stresses and schedules and emails and all this stuff where now you, you have something that you won't have then, which is some time. Time to learn the word and spend time with God in prayer and worship. You, you have... You, you can use the waiting season in a way that it is not also wasted. You can use it to reach out to Jesus, just like Mary and Martha did. Because you know that God is patient. He is not in a rush. <laughs> and God will wait as long as he feels he needs to because God does not waste miracles. He doesn't waste them. He waits for the perfect time because our miracles, man, guys, they, they're not just about us and our instant gratification. The miracles of God, it's often about other people. It's about Him getting glory. It's about what people see, the activity of God in your life. So Mary and Martha, they don't waste a moment. Lazarus is sick. In that moment, they say, Jesus, we need you. And they write Jesus a letter. Now, I don't know if you've ever written God a letter, but if you want God's attention, what would you put in your letter? Like, what would you write in order for God to pay attention to you and to come through and answer your prayer? I, I don't know what your letter might look like. My, mine might look like something like, dear Jesus, come now. I have been a faithful servant and I really need you. Like, maybe it would be like you, you'd want to highlight your, 
your, your faithfulness and your spiritual maturity and your commitment and your giving. Yes, Jesus, I've given you so much, right? You, you might want to highlight how, how good you've been and, and how much you love him. And Jesus, I love you. I love you. Please come and do this for me. I love you. I trust you. Maybe you would like use highlighters and underline things and lots of exclamation marks like you would just try to give Jesus a sense of urgency. Like, I need you now. Jesus, now. I need you now. But when Mary and Martha are writing this letter to Jesus, they know the heart of Jesus so well that they know what compels him to move. And what they do fascinates me. We see in verse 3, in John eleven three, they said, Jesus, the one that you love is sick. Isn't it amazing that they don't try to highlight all of Lazarus's great qualities? They don't be like, Jesus, Lazarus, your good friend. Jesus, Lazarus, that great disciple. Jesus, Lazarus, the one who was by your side, the one who follows you, the one who loves you. No, they don't appeal to Lazarus's greatness. They appeal to the greatness of God's love for Lazarus. And I want you to know if you're in a waiting season, God's love for you is enough to get his attention. Like it's not about your faithfulness and your checklist and your religiosity and how good you've been. And if you've been good enough, God will pay attention. No, he pays attention because he loves you. He's interested because he loves you. It is his great love for you that makes a move, not your great love for him. Mary and Martha knew this so well. They knew the heart of Jesus. They knew Jesus' love for Lazarus was enough to get him to move. And so they write this letter. Jesus receives this letter, but his response is both good and odd. So the good part we read in verse 4, he says, When he heard this, Jesus says, he said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. So, I mean, that's some good news for Mary and Martha, right? The sickness will not end in death. But then Jesus does something odd. He says in verse 6, So, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Everyone say two more days. And then he said to his disciples, Well, let's go back to Judea, which is still quite a trip. Listen. Lazarus was sick to the point of death, and Jesus says, cool, I'll see you in two days. And I could just imagine, like, Mary and Martha being like, did he not get the letter? Like, no, 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 Jesus, you don't understand your boy. The guy you love, he's sick, he needs you now. Jesus, did you not get the urgency of my request? Like, we need you now, have you ever felt like that? Like, God, I need you to show up right now, like in this moment. Like, God, you cannot be late. It's a life and death situation. God, I need you now. Mary and Martha must have been so confused. Like, why is he not coming? And Jesus says, I love you, Lazarus, and I'll come in two days. This will not end. I'm going to do something, but I'm going to do it later. <laughs> not right now. And maybe that's where some of you are right now. You've got this faith and you believe in God and 
you pray and you know God loves you, but he's just not showing up now. And may you and I be encouraged by the story that just because there is a delay does not mean there's a denial. Just because we have been delayed, it doesn't mean we have been denied. Look at someone and encourage them with that truth. You have not been denied. Church, listen, don't you dare put a full stop where God's just putting a comma. Your story is not done yet, and in the end, it will be okay. And maybe you're saying, well, right now, it's not okay. Well, guess what? Then it's not the end. God is not done with your story yet. There's still more to come. God is still going to do something. Just because it's been delayed, it doesn't mean you have been denied. And we have to realize that God's delay is not because of a lack of love or a lack of interest in your life. Because sometimes we're like, God, are you not seeing me? Have you ignored me? Have I done something wrong? Do you not love me, God? (laughs) But God's delay is not attached to his level of love for you or his level of interest in the things that goes on in your life. God can love you and be fully invested and still wait. Even when you're desperate, even in a life and death situation, because what he's wanting to do is not just for you. He's got something bigger in store. And so he finally leaves. He gets to the home of Lazarus. And what has happened to Lazarus? We find out in verse 17. It says in John eleven seventeen, 17, on his arrival, Jesus found out that Lazarus, he's already been in the tomb for four days. Jesus wasn't there when he died. He missed the funeral. He's already been in the tomb for four days. Talk about being late. You can just imagine Mary and Martha's confusion because they had that promise from Jesus, but what they're seeing does not line up with what Jesus said. And so they, they, they show some frustration and, and disappointment in Jesus when they speak to Jesus. First Martha in verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, And if you had just been here, my brother would not have died. Oh, Martha, shame. We always find her moaning, right? But I know, she says, even now, God will give you whatever you ask. This this struggle, this tug of war between so so many of us was this prayer of frustration. But we know there's faith and we know there's hope, but there's disappointment. And Jesus sees Mary later on in verse 32, when Mary reached the place where Jesus wanted and saw him, she fell at his feet. This is just where we're always finding Mary, right at the feet of Jesus. She said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The crowd that is witnessing this, this starts saying the same things in verse 37. Some among them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Just disappointment and frustration. And it's a prayer that sometimes I'm sure we've caught ourselves praying, God, if you had only showed up, I wouldn't be in pain now. God, if you had only come through, if you had only just answered the prayer, I know you can and I know you have the power. If you had just done it, Jesus, I wouldn't be grieving now. I wouldn't have lost. I wouldn't have this turmoil. I wouldn't have, wouldn't have pain God, God, if you had just delivered that breakthrough, if you had just 
done what, I, what you promised to do. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be in this mess. I wouldn't be in the situation. You can hear the pain of their heart that I think you and I have felt before. Martha and Mary, they were disappointed. And I could almost imagine them in their heart saying, but Jesus, you said, you said he wouldn't die. How many of us have said, Jesus, God, you said, and your promises, it said, Lord. But then Jesus is something so beautiful. In the midst of their waiting, in the midst of their pain, in the midst of their delay, while they're in the thick of their pain, it's in this moment that God decides to reveal a new side of himself. It's in this moment, it's this, this moment of loss and grief, it's here where suddenly Jesus reveals a new side, a deeper side of himself. He reveals himself to Mary and Martha in a new way. And he says these incredible words in verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Mary and Martha, I want you to know, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm not a guy who just does resurrections. I am the resurrection. I'm the one who can speak to any dead thing and it will be raised because in me is life. I am the resurrection and the life and I want to reveal to you who I am. I want to show you who I am in a new way, in this need that you now have. I want to reveal myself to you in a deeper way. And I know you have disappointments, so let me show you something that maybe you didn't know anymore. I'm the resurrection and the life. And there's an important principle here. Because sometimes, guys, our situation doesn't line up with our expectation. Have you ever been there? Like you expected something, but it didn't come. You expected, I don't know, till death do us part. But now he's left you. You expected to go far in their career, but now you've just been laid off. You expected to live in health, but now you've just had a diagnosis from a doctor that took the wind out your sails. Sometimes our expectation doesn't line up with the situation, and you've got to know whenever that happens, what God's about to do is He's going to give you a new revelation. What's revelation? Revelation is where Jesus he reveals himself to you in a brand new way. And I want to tell you that when the situation doesn't line up with what you're expecting, it is a perfect condition for Jesus to say, now let me show you something about myself you didn't know. Let me give you an experience with me you've never had before. Let me reveal a part of my heart, a part of my power, a part of my character that you've never seen before. This is who I am. Jesus often uses these moments to take us deeper. And so he does it with Mary and Martha. He asks them to go to the tomb. So Jesus goes to the tomb with Mary and Martha. And he looks at the tomb and he says, roll away the stone. And Martha, oh, bless her heart, Martha. I can't wait to meet Martha one day, right? She's just like, oh. she's like, no, Jesus, you, you can't roll away the stone. Remember, you waited four days. He's decaying already, Jesus. It stinks. It's going to stink. In fact, in the New King James Version, it says, he stinketh. <laughs> it's like it's just this way. I was like, Jesus. 
Don't you get it? Didn't you get the memo? He's not like just dead, he's dead dead. Like, and we know there's not varieties or levels of dead, but there are levels of decay. Jesus, he's already stinking. That is how late you are. You're so late, there is no chance. We're not going to open that. It just stinks. The whole situation stinks. Everything about this stinks. Ever felt that in your life? God, you, you just haven't pushed up now. Just everything stinks. You've taken too long. It just stinks. Life stinks at the moment. That's what Martha's heart was saying. Don't open the tomb. We don't want to smell that. We don't want to look at that. We don't want to deal with that. It's dead. It's gone. But Jesus says, roll away the stone. And so they rolled away the stone. And Jesus looked at the death. He looked at the thing that stinketh. He looked at the thing that had no life. And the resurrection and the life spoke into the tomb. And he said these words in verse 43. Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out. His hands and his feet were wrapped with strips of linen, cloth around his face. Come on. He looked like a mummy, right? He looked like he just stepped out of Michael Jackson's thriller video, right? He just completely. Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and you let him go. Can we praise Jesus today that he is the resurrection and the life? The resurrection and the life. Lazarus, come forth. Jesus was showing them something new that when he speaks, there is life and not even death can stop it. Nothing can stop it. When you think it is done and dead and buried and gone and it's in decay, Jesus can still bring it back to life. When he speaks, you better believe there is life. And how many of you know that Jesus, I'm so glad that he called Lazarus by name because if he had not called Lazarus by name, Every dead thing in that cemetery would have come out of the grave, right? Everything he knew. Lazarus, I speak to you. Rise again. Come forth out of the grave. This is who Jesus is, guys. He doesn't just do resurrection. He is the resurrection and the life. And there is nothing in your life that he cannot speak to and say, be alive again. Even the things that have been dead and gone and forgotten and you have buried them and they stink now. There's nothing in your life that God cannot look to and say, hey, live again. And it's in this moment of loss sometimes, the moment of waiting. It's sometimes where Jesus will reveal himself to you in the most powerful ways. In new ways, he will show you parts of yourself that you have Never seen before. And I love this picture of what Jesus is doing with Mary and Martha because doesn't he just do this in our lives all the time? Like in Ephesians 3, Jesus says, or the word says that, you know, God is a God who, he exceeds our expectations, right? He does abundantly above anything that we can ask for or think or even imagine. You know that God's work in your life will be beyond your imagination. It'll be beyond what you can even think. It's beyond what you can even ask for. Come, he does that here in this situation. And it shows us that if God always meets our expectations, then he'll, have never, he'll never have the room to exceed our expectations. If he met every single one of your expectations, he would never have the room to exceed it. I mean, he does it here with Mary and Martha because... The Jews, they had this teaching, they knew that dead was dead, but they had this teaching, this custom, this belief 
that day four was the critical day because on day four, that, was, that would be the day that your spirit and soul left your body. So there's no chance for anything. And, and Jesus chooses day four to say, hey, you think this is beyond all hope? I'm going to wait until you believe nothing is possible, and that's when I'm going to pitch up and I'm going to speak life to the dead thing. I'm going to wait till you believe it is dead. Even the last chance of hope, Jesus, why day four? You're one day late. No, 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 I'm just in time. It's not according to your schedule, but it's according to mine. He exceeds their expectations. Mary and Martha, they were asking for a healing, but Jesus was interested in a resurrection. Beyond what they could think, or ask for, or even imagine. Some of you that have come today, I want to remind you who Jesus is. Because when Jesus is around, dead stuff comes to life. And perhaps today you need to roll away that stone, the thing that's covering your hurt, the pain, the thing that's dead and gone and buried. And you might be saying, no, 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 Jesus, don't look in there. It's ugly. It stinks. Like, Jesus, no, don't look at that. I don't want you to see what I've said about that and said about you. I don't want you you to see my doubt and my pain. But Jesus says, let me in so I can speak life into the thing that is dead. I want to speak life to that dead marriage. I want to speak life to those dead studies. I want to speak life to that dead career. I want to speak life to that dead health. I want to speak life. I am the resurrection and the life. So I want to invite you to let Jesus speak into your situation today. I know you might be waiting for God to show up. You might be in that season of waiting, just like the disciples were on Easter weekend. Can I encourage you, don't let this waiting season be wasted. Use it to press into Jesus. Just because today you might feel like you have been delayed, can I remind you, you are not denied. God is not done with your story yet. And so if he meets every expectation, he can never exceed them. Allow God, may hope rise up today. May hope be increased in our lives today. May we realize who Jesus is and it's not done unless he says it is done. He is the resurrection and he is the life. And so I don't know what things might have died in your life. I don't know what dreams and hopes and plans. I don't know what words spoken over you. You might think, no, those are dead and gone. The relationship is gone. That opportunity is gone. That breakthrough is gone. It's never going to come. I've been waiting forever. I think that thing is dead by now. Guess what? Not if Jesus says. Not if Jesus says it. Not if Jesus speaks. He's a resurrection in the life. Can I ask you to close your eyes for a moment? In fact, I want to pray for every one of you who might today, you're you're in a waiting season. You're desperate for God to bring a breakthrough in your life. You're asking for answered prayer. You're asking for God to do something and and you really need Him to come through. And and maybe you've been disappointed in that. You've been frustrated in that. Maybe you felt like Mary and Martha. God, you said, why am I waiting? When's it going to happen? I want to pray with you. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would encourage your heart today. 
And if that is you, if you're in a waiting season and you're just waiting for God to do something in your life, can you just put up your hand so I can pray with you and put it down? Thank you. Wow. And God knew who he needed to bring today. God, I want to thank you. You know every single person's situation. I don't, God, but you, you're deeply involved. And God, they don't have to prove something or do something to get your attention. They have it because you love them. Right now, where they are, God, you love them. And that's enough to get you to move. And so, God, I want to pray that our hope would rise up today, that our trust in you would rise up today afresh and anew. God, I pray that you would help every person waiting to not waste this, this opportunity, but to lean into you and reach out to you. God, I pray for every person waiting that they would see that this delay is not denial. Holy Spirit, I pray for every person waiting that you would give them the hope that if their expectations are not met, it's only because you're going to exceed it. So I pray for miracles, God, in lives. I pray for impossible things to become possible. I thank you, Jesus. You are the resurrection and the life. And when you speak life, nothing, not even death, can stop it. So we celebrate, God, the empty tomb. It gives us hope about the tombs in our lives. It gives us hope, God, about the dead things in our lives. Jesus, thank you for being life. We will wait on you, God, and we will wait with you. There's another group of people I want to speak to in this room. With every eye closed, I want to remind you that Lazarus, even though he was resurrected, guess what? There came a day where he died again. That's Lazarus' story. It's my story. It's going to be your story unless Jesus comes back before that moment. But because Lazarus was in Jesus, even though he died physically, he didn't die an eternal death, which would be separation with God. Today, as we celebrate Easter, as we celebrate that cross in the empty tomb, I want to remind you that was for you out of Jesus' love for you and all he asked you to do is receive that gift. And, and perhaps you, you're here today and you realize, I want to be part of that family. I want to be a Christian. I want to be a follower of Jesus. Well, what better day to make the decision than Easter Sunday? And so I want to pray with you. If you want to become a Christian today and you want to pray a prayer, I'm not going to ask you to do anything weird. I just want you to lift your hand and put it down so I know who I'm praying with. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands in this room. Thank you, God. You're adding to your family. You're growing your kingdom. Beautiful to see, Lord. We're going to pray with those who just raised their hand. And uh, we're going to pray together. We're a family. We're in this together. And so let's pray these words, all of us, together. Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Today I give my life to you. I declare, Jesus Christ, you are Lord of my life. I believe you lived and died and rose again. And so I give my whole life to you from this moment and into eternity. And I'm so sorry, God, for everything I did apart from you. Please forgive me, and I'm grateful 
that even as I say those words, I receive forgiveness. You see me as clean and holy because of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. And thank you for defeating death so I can spend eternity with you. I pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Man, we have to celebrate. Thank you. Thank you. Well done. Well done. Those of you who prayed that prayer, I want to say you, you have made the only decision you had to get right in your time on earth. You did it today. Well done. Welcome to the family. And it really is a family. That's how God has designed this thing. So please don't try to do this alone. You're not meant to. We want to partner with you. We want to walk with you. And so on your way out the door, we're going to give you a bit of a, there's a blue pamphlet. They're free. You'll see the usher standing there. Please take one if you pray that prayer. And there's a tear off. We really want your details. So please fill that in. Go give it at the information desk so we can walk a road with you. And in that pamphlet, we have some ideas of what you should do next. What are some good next steps for you? We love you guys. Thank you for celebrating the, the empty tomb with all of us. And uh, happy Easter. God bless. <laughs>